Welcome to the first episode of Speaking Duck. I'm very, very happy to be bringing this series to you. I get to sit down with some of Toronto's biggest and brightest and up-and-coming chefs all mashed into this one series. This first episode starts with Jesse Valens. And what's great about Jesse Valens is he runs one of the best taverns and restaurants in the city on the Ossington Strip called The Saint. But more so because he really opened the door for us for other chefs to come and talk to us. And I'm talking about top chef finalists and people that are in the cookbook industry and pretty much all over the map that we would never have had contact with if it wasn't for Jesse. So this episode really means a lot to me in the beginning of this series. And it's a big honor to introduce the very first guest on Speaking Duck, Mr. Jesse Valens of the Saint Tavern. Welcome, Jesse. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. This is actually the first edition of Speaking Duck on the Never Sleeps Network. And I want to thank you very much. Jesse Valens, uh, chef, the saint, Ossington Strip, doesn't get any more current as far as what's popular in the scene in Toronto. Um, I know you are a very, very busy person as of late, and I just want to thank you very, very much for coming out. Tell us a bit about your experience in Toronto and what brought you to the saint. Um, well, I've worked in Toronto my entire career, uh, born and raised here. I'm a Scarborough boy. Um, to be perfectly honest, what brought me to the Saint was, uh, I've been working at a place called Trevor Kitchen and Bar for about six years as the chef. And I had a kid and I took a year off and the government wasn't going to pay me to stay at home anymore. So I had to find a job and the uh, Saint was a great opportunity that presented itself. I had a mutual friend of Rob Gentile, who's, uh, sort of the corporate chef for our company and one of the, the, the owners of the Saint. And we hit it off really well and, and I came on board. So the real reason I really wanted to talk to you is because you're the newest winner of Sausage League, which is hosted at Marbin on Wellington. Mm -hmm. Tell us a bit about your experience recently and what brought you to Sausage League. Uh, I've actually been involved with Sausage League since it started four years ago. Um, it was uh, started by – way back by Ryan Donovan and Carl Heinrich when, when they were working at Marvin uh, as a way to get chefs together and generate business and make really good sausage. It did, was no, it, it was, it's always, $25. always been, been $25. You get a couple sausage tries. And, and a pint of beer. And a pint of beer. Yeah. And it's always sponsored by a local brewery. Yeah, I stayed with their Steam Whistle for a couple of years. It was Muskoka last year. This past year was was Bose. And you're a previous winner? Uh, I actually just won for the third year straight. Third year straight. So what are you doing differently than the rest of the sausage leaguers? Um, I basically, I mean, I've been making sausage for a long time. I uh, started almost 15 years ago uh, when I was a, I, I was a butcher at the, the, the CN Tower. They were making sausages there, and that, that's where I learned it. And just carried it on and just read books and figured out how to do it right. I think uh, a lot of these guys who were coming out, and not all of them, some of these guys are making great sausages, but a good portion of the guys who were coming out don't really know how to make sausages. And what's the keys? Um, break it down simply. So I'll, I'll break it down that a lot of these guys think that they're going to grind meat, season it, and stick it in a casing. And that's all there is to it. Um, while making sausages is fairly simple, there are some rules you got to follow. Things like fat ratios, uh, things like seasoning ratios, how much salt you're putting in per kilo. Um, things like uh, like keeping it cold even. 
Um, that's one of the most imperative things with making sausage or any kind of forced meat is keeping it cold. If you don't, the it's going to split and fat's going to run out and your sausage is going to be dry or grainy. Um, and I think a lot of guys who are doing it don't know that or don't think that they need to follow those rules or just kind of want to do it on the fly and end up bringing a knife to a gunfight. So you end up having some prep time beforehand to keep your sausages cold, essentially? No, I'm not talking about keeping them cold after they're made. I'm talking about making that mix. While you're making the mix, before it gets stuffed into a casing, keeping it cold. Right. Keeping it ice cold at all times. Because by essentially putting hot cooked meat into a casing. No, not even hot cooked meat. Meat that's not ice cold. It's so, got to be ice, yes, ice cold. Yes. Are we giving away your secrets here, no, Jesse? No, no. I mean, go go read a book. It's 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 all in there. If there's one thing you're going to walk away from this interview, it's go read a book. Yes. Go read a book on making sausages. Uh, the book Charcuterie by, by Michael Rollman has a great section on making fresh sausages. And what was um, the winner this year? Uh, I did a an all-beef cheddar smoky. Oh, wow. So we, we sell quite a lot of steaks at, at, at the Saint. We have uh, we have uh, flat irons and strip loins and, and big ribeyes on the menu. And all of our scraps we save and, and turn that into sausage. So, That's so smart. So I used a whole bunch of that scrap, um, seasoned it up just like, like, like it was a hot dog. Uh, we made our own processed cheese, folded that in, uh, let it hang for a couple of days, smoked it. It turned out really, really well. So you smoked the cheese? We smoked the, the entire sausage. The entire sausage? So- oh, that yeah. as one whole sausage. Yeah. So how long do you have to prepare for Sausage League? It all depends. Like you, it's Basically what happens is that it, a whole bunch of chefs get invited out to do it, and they do uh, – previous years, they, they would do one battle a week till there was two chefs left. This year, they were doing two battles a week. Um, but basically, you had this year I had two, three weeks at a time in between battles to, to prepare. What was the winner last year? Uh, the winner last year, I did a smoked pork and dill pickle sausage. I'm, I'm, it's good, it's good to know that you're changing it up every year and you're still winning. Yeah, well, so, what's we, the connection? We actually, you do a, a different sausage each round. Okay, as opposed to even ev- it's every. Not just, you're not just coming with one sausage. Yeah, so e- e- each round you you bring a different sausage. So, how many sausages did you have this this, this year? Three. And what were the other two? Uh, the other two. The first round, I did a, a bacon sausage. So it was uh, smoked pork belly and shoulder uh, ground with chunks of bacon in it. The uh, next round, I did a, a Reuben sandwich sausage. So that was corn brisket, Swiss cheese, rye breadcrumbs, and sauerkraut all in the sausage. Wow. How do you cook a sausage with sauerkraut in it without worrying about the sauerkraut getting too soggy or, or, or just over... Um, powering well, the, any of the other flavors. The uh, sauerkraut that we use is uh, – it's not sort of like your your big sauerkraut. It's a more traditional uh, German sauerkraut. And, I mean, if you're ever looking for a good sauerkraut to buy in the market, look at the ingredients. It should say cabbage and salt as the ingredients, and that's it. And that's it. If it's got any kind of wine or vinegar, it's really, really acidic, and I just find them un- unpleasant. So what we do with it um, is pr- press it through a strainer to get all the liquid out. And then chop it very finely and mix that in. So you really just get the, the, the flavor. It doesn't make anything soggy or. Now that you have a child, now do you find that you're cooking at home for your, your little one and, and finding out that yes. you have to go more simplistic or uh, do you have I, to? I don't, uh, I don't cook a lot at home because I work a lot of nights, but I pour a lot of Cheerios into bowls okay. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I make a lot of scrambled eggs. 
What's your uh, your son's name? Fergus. Fergus, great. And you were born and raised in Scarborough. Yep. So what brought you to downtown? What were the restaurants in Scarborough that that encouraged you, or what was the food scene like that encouraged you I mean, to come the, and make the a name uh, down food here? scene in Scarborough where I lived was Chinese restaurants and and West Indian curry places. Sure. Um, which I didn't work at any of them. I started working uh, right out of high school at a little sports bar by my dad's house, and it uh, as a sort of kitchen bitch, I cleaned lettuce and cut calamari and washed dishes and played salads and did general prep and got yelled at by a bunch of older Greek men. Cause that's just, just how it went. Uh, but sort of, you know, fell asleep and woke up every day thinking about food and decided I wanted to be a chef. So I enrolled at George Brown okay. and, uh, yeah, 18 years old, started out, knew absolutely nothing. Um, would but, you recommend George Brown today to this culinary I, I would, students? I would today. I wouldn't recommend it from when I went. When I went in 98, 99, it wasn't quite what it is today. They've really d- done a great job with it where they've they've totally revamped the, the curriculum and the, the campus and and uh, they've got g- great equipment now and good teachers and all that. When when I went, I found – I mean, now that I've, I've progressed and I know and um, things I didn't know at the time, the, the curriculum was fairly outdated. Uh, we were doing, you know, concentrating on things like instead of learning how to season properly, we were concentrating on how to carve a basket out of a butternut squash. Hmm. Um, and those were the things that they stressed more than, I think, things that are more important. I think what they should be teaching you at, at cooking school or George Brown and really beating into your head is that you know absolutely nothing. Maybe not in a prickish asshole way like that, but they should be teaching you that, you know, we're giving you some very basic skills to make it in the industry. We're going to teach you how to chop an onion. You need to go work to learn how to use that. Do you find that the culinary world, especially on that basic teaching level, has become a little bit too military? No, not at all. Could um, it be more? Yes, most definitely. Do you run a very strict kitchen? <sighs> Define would, it. Define <sighs> it. Um, I wouldn't say that we I run a very strict kitchen. I mean, there, there are rules and the rules have to be followed. And we, uh, you know... Th- things are done one way. There's not a lot of room for, for in, in, interpretation. Um, but I think especially for people who are just starting out, you need to be – again, you don't have to be a prick with them, but you you need to be firm and you need to – I mean, these days, w- w- when I started out in cooking, the Food Network was just getting going. And the people who were on the Food Network were – say what you want about these guys now, like Emeril and Mario Batali and Ming Tsai and guys who I still have a lot of respect for because they actually looked like they really liked to cook. And everything they made looked really cool. Um, man, I haven't seen an episode of Emerald Live in a long time. I might go back and not think it was as cool anymore. But at the same time, everything on the on Food Network now to me seems to be either encouraging gluttony or overeating, or it, it's a reality show. There's been a lot of um, a lot of articles written about Guy Fieri kind of promoting American obesity almost indirectly. I mean, with with a show like like Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives, where pretty much everything that he's going to eat. Um, is terrible for you. Yeah, and it's on repeat. And it's on repeat. It's it's, it's on three times a day, and he feigns enthusiasm for every single thing he eats. He's that's a, just a, that's a, he, that's hard. He he's an absolute awe of that of that meatloaf. That, that how could everything be yeah. good? I I mean I I don't think you can really nail it on say Guy Fieri or Paula Dean or any one person, right? But it's definitely not helping. In no, my opinion. I, and I mean, I, I wouldn't say it's just America either. I mean, up here in, I mean, we we get it in Canada as well. I mean, there's there's we get that show on TV. There's also the the Canadian version called You You, you Got to Eat Here, and I mean, I think those are show good shows 
to a certain point for exposing restaurants and small places that do great food. But the Food Network now is less about teaching people about food and teaching right. people how to cook. It's just like, you know, go to this restaurant and eat this giant sandwich. There, <laughs> there, there's got to be a balance. Have you been approached? No. Would you? Sure. Oh, right. Exposure is exposure. Ex- exposure is exposure. But at the same time, I mean, I don't think that people should come to eat at the Saint every day. I don't think you should really go to any restaurant and eat every day. You shouldn't go to Fresh every day. I mean, no, I hear you. And Fresh is not as healthy as people make it out to be either. Yeah. And also, vegetarian restaurants generally suck. (laughs) So, for you, is cooking still fun? Is this is the Saint still? uh, I want to go there every day. Or how much of it is work? How much is it being the drill sergeant? How much is it being an inspiration? Like, what what's the combination of things that bring you to the office as you were to? I mean, definitely, I, it's, it's still fun. I mean, I, I like the, the food that, that we're doing at the Saint. I mean, I, I like to joke, I, I call it white people food, because um, it's sort of what it is. It's just. I kind of, I would kind of disagree on some of that really? stuff. I mean, you do have your fried chickens and your mac and cheese, mm. but the white people stuff is like the Polish stuff that you guys do and the, and the cured meats and the. Well, we, we, we don't do any cured meats at the Saint. I've had, uh, like salami. Yeah, and... it's, 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 uh, that's actually, it's, it's not cured salami. It's like a, a, a Jewish beef salami. Oh, like a so, Chicago style. Yeah, yeah, like a sh- Chicago 58. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we have a very, very tiny kitchen, so we don't do any kind of cured meats there. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, we, we do a lot of fresh sausages. Um, but yeah, no, no cured meats. I just say white people food is, you know, lightheartedly is that, you know, we're doing stuff that people recognize. Sure. You know, we're doing burgers, we're doing fried chicken, we're doing steaks. Um, we're, we're doing pierogi, we're doing sausages, stuff that, that, that people recognize. Now, I know you're going back tonight because yep. I'm catching you between service. Yep. Uh, what's the specials for this evening? Uh, let's see. What are we doing tonight? Uh, we, we've got a great, uh, like a big 30-ounce belly-on pork chop for, for two people. Um, giant rib, rib pork chop with the, the bones probably about a foot long, and we haven't taken the, the belly off, so there's meat all the way up the bone. Uh, fantastic for, for two people. Um, doing a great, uh, smoked pork sausage, uh, with some ma- maple cider glaze. What else we've got going on? What inspires your specials? Um, I mean, a good combination of what's in season and when ideas pop into your head. What are the markets you're usually checking out in the city? Uh, I, I, I like going to the, the St. Lawrence market. I don't live too far from the St. Lawrence market or I, I didn't before. I'm actually not that close anymore. Um, I, I really like St. Lawrence Market. I, I like walking around any market. I even like walking around grocery stores and seeing what, what's in season. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's not in season in a grocery store. But, yeah, I, I like walking around St. Lawrence Market. Um, I like going to the Brickworks on the weekends if I have time. Um, yeah, it's really it's seasonal. And, again, it's just you don't really you don't really have a place where creativity comes from. It could come from anywhere. You could look at one thing and think, and all of a sudden get an idea for for a dish. I mean, um, you know, saying the other day, someone I, I can find more creative inspiration in a time in a Tom Waits song than than watching Food Network. I don't like a whole lot of music personally. Just okay. I, I love Tom Waits. Um, it's very art. It's art rock. Tom Waits, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's he's been around forever. Uh, I'm, I'm a bass player, so I, I really like Primus. Okay, um, Les Claypool. Yeah, Les Claypool. All right, I have a lot of respect for him. Um, so you like again? I would say that's another arty type of pop rock or rock, rather. So yeah. it's interesting that you, you say you don't like music, but those are very eclectic. I, I, I shouldn't say I don't like music, but I, I don't like 
What's on the radio? Mainstream, for sure. Um, so you play bass. Yep. What's what's your axe? Uh, I've got a, a Yamaha RBX765. Oh, wow. Uh, translucent green finish. And uh, what, what's your knife of choice? Uh, I've got a... Uh, I've actually got a global French knife, a tennis French knife I've been using for the last 15, 16 years. Do you use music as a little bit of an escape? Do you play with some guys? Uh, I haven't had the time to play with guys in probably about five years. When you pop out a few more kids, you can have a band going yeah, on. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll talk to the wife. So your child, three years old, eating solid foods. You don't cook for much. Is your wife a good cook? Oh, yeah. My, my wife is, is a great cook. How did um, you guys meet? We met in our first year of college at George Brown. And is she currently in the industry? Uh, she she she's a district manager with Starbucks. Oh, cool! So in the industry, but not in in the same way. Big coffee drinkers. Um, she isn't so much anymore. Of course, um, I am. Yeah, for for sure. Are you up at the break of dawn in the restaurant till the end of the day? No, I mean I'm up early in the morning with with my son. Um, I'm not. I mean I usually get to the restaurant around noon. Okay. Um, we're not, uh, on the weekends. I'm there quite a lot earlier when we're open for brunch, but during sure. the week we're open for dinners only. So What's that, your brunch menu like? Our brunch menu is great. Um, we we do really well for brunch. It's it's brunch is probably our, our bread and butter. It's really busy. Uh, you know, we do great eggs Benedict. But we do you know a bit of a twist on it. We make our own like chive and, and cheddar biscuits, and uh, we we use poached duck eggs and buy a nice smoked ham. Uh, put bernays sauce on top. We do a fantastic take on a breakfast sandwich. Uh, sort of like a, a sausage McMuffin kind of deal. We we make our own sausage patties, um, you know, fried egg, uh, our own sort of HP sauce. We make our own processed cheese. Um, Isn't yeah. it funny that a lot of what we describe as a fancier version of fast food is like you were saying, we're very comfortable with white people food. We, yep. we notice these things. So it's almost to attribute to these things that inspire us. But as a chef, were you ever the type that, you know, would cook all day, never get a bite of staff meal and then resulted in having to go to the fast food or something local um, nearby? Most definitely. I remember working and getting off and going to hot dog vendors every night after work. So is that your vice, the hot dog? Uh, no, not so much anymore. Uh, but when I was a line cook and I was getting off it, one in the morning after after working all day and there was nothing open. Uh, and that was, I mean, there weren't really any late night options downtown 15 years ago. Sure. Um, yeah, hot dog vendors were it. So. Any uh, shout outs to any of the vent locations? My, my favorite ones are by Union. Uh, the guy who I used to go to was right at Queen and Simcoe. <laughs> all right. Uh, Very cool. So other than vendors, what are some of your favorite Local eats, like if you weren't to promote any of your restaurants. My, my just- favorite restaurant in the world is the Patrician Grill at King and Sherburn. Wow. And, yeah. and why in particular? Um, I've been going there since I started George Brown in 98, probably two, three times a week since then. And I mean, I'm a, pretty much all I ever want to eat is a three egg breakfast. Right. With, with sausage. You ever want to open a diner? No, but I, li- I like eating them. Right. See, that's my thing. I always, I always thought... As a non-chef, as a home cook, your your favorite things to cook or would be the favorite things you would want to open and, and eat at a restaurant mm-hmm. regularly. So I've I was raised I'm a I'm a Jewish kid myself, so we were diners day in day out. So I perfected the three egg breakfast and bacon and and cooked that for my family. So that's what I would open up. I'd open up like a breakfast for dinner kind of diner. Mm-hmm. But is the patrician is just like it's an institution. Yeah, I've been there since since the sixties. And they know you by uh, name, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, at, at this point, after this long, yeah. Probably took them about two, three years, but, you know. Are you there once a week or twice a week or uh, more? At this point, more more like once a week because I, I don't – I mean, I, used, I for quite a long time, I, I went to George Brown or I worked in the area. 
Uh, these days, probably about, about once a week. And your favorite city other than Toronto in Canada? In Canada. That's fun uh, to eat. Montreal. Oh, so Montreal, yeah. just that easy, that close? Oh, yeah, that easy, that, that close. Uh, is it the French style, the European style stuff, or is it their <sighs> contemporary stuff? It's, I think it's, it's a mix of everything. You know, great places like, like Pied Cochon, but, uh, you know, your old school steakhouse, like, like Moishes. You've got their, I'm a huge beer geek and their beer scene is fantastic. I mean, if, if, if Quebec and specifically Montreal was in the States, it would be a North American beer mecca. But I think because it's in, in Canada and because it's the, the different language, uh, people don't see it as, as accessible. But I mean, there's probably at least 10 good brew pubs in Montreal. Brewtopia is one of my favorite ones. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Dude, Ciel is my favorite one. Okay. Uh, and, you know, there are bagels, of course. Oh, Saint uh, Viator, you know, Fairmont. Fair, Fairmont's my favorite. Oh, is that, uh, see, that's yeah. the, I feel that's the ultimate Coke Pepsi war over there. Saint Viator versus I mean, Fairmont. I'm, I'm not going to turn down a warm bagel from either place. That's right. Um, I really like Fairmont because it's right by DCL and it's right by a little, another little diner I like called Valinsky, um, where they do great fried salami sandwiches. Sure. Yeah, I like Schwartz's and. Sure. You know, it's, the main across the street, yeah, it's, it's, whatever it, lineup is shorter. Yeah, it's it's a great eating city. Uh, absolutely, I, and I, and that's the thing about Montreal coming from Toronto because people in Montreal they're kind of like so in, surrounded by it all the time they don't realize it. But when, as a Toronto born and raised, when you go to Montreal, you you eat every hour on the hour because mm-hmm. there's no fresh croissants and cafe au lait. There's no good deli in the core of downtown Toronto. So all these things that we go to Montreal and take advantage of, we don't get, you know, I feel like we all, we all go to Montreal to eat. Mm -hmm. I feel Toronto goes there to party, to drink, to eat they're out later. They're out for the steamies and the Lafleurs and the Chez Claudettes and all the good greasy (laughs) stuff. That's why I go. I mean, I'm not going to meet just my friends where I'm going to eat with my friends and convince them to go and eat at as many places as I can. It's usually the same ones. That's what's, what's great about Montreal. It's old enough that they have like Gibby's Steakhouse in old Montreal. It's like my parents used to go there mm-hmm. you know it's atmosphere it's, it's a good steakhouse it's it's enjoyable but it's old school do you have any um kind of restaurants in here that you question how long they've been around for or yeah i mean we're not here to like downplay anything but you know any restaurants you f- or food stylings that are kind of overdone here in toronto um i don't think it's just toronto i think right now there's the uh, burger trend that everyone seems to be be jumping on um, Even though I read in an article once that you promoted that Saint has the best burger. I, and I'll, I'll stand by it. Have, <laughs> have, have you had it? I have not. I'll have to come by okay, and well, try the hamburger. Yeah. Um, no, as far as the burger trends, just like, I mean, gourmet burger places, quote unquote gourmet burger gourmet, places, right. are popping up all over the place. Um, honestly, I don't think there is that much creativity going on for the most part. I mean, there is a core of, of really good guys who are doing really good stuff. I think there's guys who look at, say, what Noma is doing and copy that. Or not used to copy that, but they copy their plating style. Or all of a sudden, everybody's into foraging. And it's like, oh, you know, I've, I've always gone and looked for my own sorrel in the woods. It's like, <laughs> R- really? Yeah, c- come on, man. So, uh, talking about fancy ingredients like sorrel mushrooms and whatnot, what, what are what are the, the three or four simple ingredients that you need to make some of your favorite dishes? What does it take? What What, what are the key crowd pleasers for you i mean bacon is a staple of where, wherever i work you're talking to the right person here. yeah um otherwise i mean you need salt you need butter and you need acid where do and, you get your bacon from uh i get a bacon uh from i get my bacon through ontario harvest uh from a, a place called walnut hill farms 
Um, it's a fantastic bacon. Um, it's sort of more of a, of a German style single smoke bacon, uh, smoked at, at a higher temperature, uh, for a longer time. So you can sort of, if you could grill a piece and just cut it like it's a pork chop. Wow. Uh, we actually have that on the, on, on the bar menu at the Saint, just a thick cut piece of bacon grilled. Sure. Um, sort of got the inspiration after I ate it at Peter Luger in, in New York. Um, there's, I guess, sort of the, the New York steakhouses down there all do that sort of thing, like Ben and Jack's and Wolfgang's and Keen's and Peter Luger. At all of them, you can get just a grilled piece of bacon as an appetizer. I find that steakhouses in general have kind of gone downhill. They've kind of lost their appeal, especially with all these great new, you can call them hip restaurants, but all these great new chefs that are bringing so much talent and new experiences and new combinations of flavors. The old school steakhouse mentality is great. It's great for once in a while, but there's no repeat. I find that you could go to Highs, you could go to, you know, all these fancy-ish restaurants, Harbor 60, and you get one really expensive experience, but mm-hmm. it doesn't draw you back anymore. Um, I I, I disagree. I said it, it, it wouldn't draw you back the next week, right? Um, but I mean, I uh, I eat at Barbarians a couple times a year. I eat at Jacobs a, a couple times a year. Jacobs is the best I, in the city. I, yeah, I, I totally agree. Jacobs is probably the best restaurant in the city. It's definitely one of them. If you're looking at food service, wine list, ambiance, all of that. And I'm not just saying that because they're in our company. I'm saying that because oh, are they? Really? Really? J- Jacobs is, is in our company. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, and they're 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 fantastic. I, I've never had a better steak. Yeah, I nope. get the USDS, get the really fatty American steak, mm-hmm. and I'm happy as a pig and shit. Mm-hmm. It's, no, it's nothing better of an experience. It's, than it's, ever, it's right? fantastic. Well, and they've also got. 30, 40 different steaks going at any right, one time. Right, which, which is the biggest range in the city. Yeah, there are very few other steakhouses do anything like that. Um, but I think, you know, I agree with what you're saying that there's a lot more options in, in the mid-range right now with people doing fun, creative things. And you can go one week and then go back two weeks later and they're doing something completely different. So, or maybe not completely different, but they're, they're doing something else that's interesting that you can go back for and experience something new. Um. But no, I I love steakhouses personally. I, I love the the experience. Um, and again, it's not something I want to do every week, but definitely a couple times a year. It's it's a lot of fun to go out and eat, eat a big steak and have a great bottle of wine and well, that's just and it. Get, and, and get treated like that. As far as that le- service base, that level of service. I mean, steakhouses are the last bastion of of that level of service true. In, in in Toronto anyway. It's very true. Yeah, Toronto especially, uh, we don't really have more of an echelon than the steakhouse. It doesn't really exist. There's no, I mean, there are some nice high-end seafood restaurants. Some of them are more popping up these days than they have, but they've never been in, in the same league as these steakhouses, especially in, you know, the the Bay Street area and, and our, our Wall Street areas. We have, you know, the old school highs and barbarians, and, and these are kind of, again, institutions. But, you know, with Jacobs coming around, it's showing almost like a new up-to-date version of what these restaurants could ha- could be today, mm-hmm. but choose to also stay in the kind of bubble that they continue to be in. And, and, and nothing's wrong with that. I mean, I love suiting up with the guys and going and pretending we're big shots for, you know, $100 for a nice <laughs> experience. But that's part of it, right? Yeah, you know, sure. like, I, I again, I would have a totally different experience for half the price at a place on Queen West or the Ossington Strip, you know, those kind of experiences you can frequent more and then you can experience more. And I think what's driving those places bit more so today are the cocktails. People are going to really see the new mixologists, which personally to me is not a big deal. I'm not a huge drinker to begin with, Mm -hmm. but I I mean, I'm there for the food, you know, like I don't want to spend $15 on a cocktail 
I want to spend fifteen dollars on a on a meal or an appetizer, you know, to get me yeah, more. I'm, I'm the exact same way. But you guys have quite a few good cocktails, and you guys are known for your cocktails. Yeah, no, we, yeah, we, we, have, a, we have a great cocktail program. Yeah. But as far as me personally, I'm the same way. I'm not really really a cocktail guy. Um, I, I I'm big into beer, big into wine. Um, I don't have the time or money to get into cocktails. Well, too. that's just it. I think it's like a it's a generational thing. These young kids, you know, they want the the bourbon sours and the the iced teas yeah, and, there's, the, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that if if it's what you're into, right? Um, and and so long as it's being done well, right? And and again, it's like it's almost like cooking in a sense, right? It's all about ingredients and a, and a lot of the herbs and the bitters that a lot of these places are using are some stuff we've never even heard. Yeah, like never I'm heard hitting it, the or scene. They're, they're, they're making it themselves or they're doing. I mean, I was just in in Chicago. Uh, a few months ago, and I went to to Aviary, which is the, the cocktail bar run by the guys from from Alinea. And even though I'm not a cocktail guy, I was blown away, right, by by, by what they were doing. Now, um, do you find that they were letting you taste the alcohol more in these types of fancier cocktails? Yeah, I mean, there, there was definitely alcohol in them. You you weren't. Uh, they were they weren't trying to mask it, right? That's what that's more my question. Yeah, because I find that that's also um, the downfall of a lot of these places. That they'll pour you a cocktail that you're not tasting the alcohol; it's completely masked. Mm-hmm. You're tasting a drink, which may or may not get you drunk, depending on how many you have. But again, I always fear that if I'm not tasting the alcohol, am I getting enough? Is this going to be a, you know a cocktail, or is it going to be a drink with some alcohol? Sure. I mean, I'm not all that concerned about alcohol per se. I'm more concerned about taste. Um, I mean, because if it was just about alcohol, you'd be drinking rubbing alcohol. That's right. So, I mean, so long as it it tastes good, I think to a certain point, the alcohol isn't irrelevant, obviously, but it's – if it's a good balanced drink. Do you guys do any pairings? uh, As far – we don't do any any set pairings, but if if people ask, we'll – We'll, we'll definitely do something up. So let's go. Let's get back to the food side of the conversation. I, I'm, I'm more interested in in your upbringing and you getting your making your way to the saint. I'm, I'm more interested in learning about like the first meal you ever perfected. Um, I ever perfected. I make, I make a really good grilled cheese. Okay. Um, actually, What's the secret? Uh, low even heat. Okay. And cheese cut at a proper proper thickness. And uh, not putting not putting it in ice cold, and uh, enough butter or fat in, in the pan to do. It. But yeah, I just made grilled cheeses for my son and my nieces the other day, and they went over fantastic. Aren't you so, a hero? Oh, Isn't yeah, it the for, simplest things that sure. make you such yep, a hero? Yeah, for sure. What what cheese was in the those? Uh, just 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 some some good quality old cheddar. Favorite cheese shop in Toronto? Cheese boutique. Okay, uh, cheese boutique, and I, I like Scheffler's at, at the the, the St. Lawrence Market as well. Great, Pro- probably a tie between those two. Any other shout-outs at St. Lawrence that you hit up every time you go there? Uh, I like the uh, cheap Chinese food place downstairs okay. where you can get uh, rice or noodles and white item for five bucks. All right. You know, I can't, can't complain about you that. You can't take the, the line cook out of the chef no, sometimes. No, or the uh, – yeah, that's, uh, that's it. What is a dish that you never really could grasp or you could get your head around and, and it kind of just – Something that you would just stay away from in general, or ne- won't go out to eat. What what kind of food is kind of? Are you an everything kind of guy? For, for the most part, I'm, I'm I'm an everything kind of guy. Like, like I said earlier, uh, I'm not a big fan of vegetarian restaurants. Um, I mean, I've used this comparison before with people. To me, I see vegetarian restaurants the same way I see kosher restaurants. Uh, the draw isn't that it's any good. It's the draw is you can eat here, and that's. 
I understand it's, that it's, makes it's, sense. It's it's about it, and in, in my opinion, it takes a non-vegetarian chef to make good vegetarian food. Uh, because I mean, if you think about it, nobody is a vegetarian or a vegan because they love vegetables, right? You know, but if you look at you know really passionate chefs, they love food in general. Uh, one of the best meals I ever had was at L'Arpège in Paris, which is a, a three Michelin star place that's mostly vegetarian. And the the quality of the food blew me away, and the attention to detail with, with the vegetables was mind blowing. Um, but you know, the chef isn't a vegetarian; he just happens to love food in general, and you know, really gets excited about great vegetables. Um, I, I've got some friends and some family who are vegetarians, so I've been to vegetarian restaurants with them, and it's not not really my thing. But it's, I don't know if I have you know to go back to what you're asking. I don't know if I answered that correctly as far as any specific dishes or kinds of food. Uh. I think your your answer is more drawn to having to eat something because that's the only thing available. Yeah. So I, it, you're almost like not into the whole restriction yeah, yeah. of being. It, it's it's <clears throat> it's interesting because when I go to a, a really good restaurant, it's all about sim- simplicity. It's about <clears throat> maybe four items, five items on the menu. Whether that's based on specials, based on what ingredients are available. Sometimes it's the menu that was written up that day. Mm-hmm. And I find that th- in that case, you're going to because not because you've looked online and you're like, oh, I know what I want. I, I'm excited to go there, but you're inspired to go there because of the chefs, because of the previous dishes you've had there or what people have told you. It, it's funny, like the Saint is definitely a familiar menu when mm-hmm. you go there, but it's definitely a little bit more, uh, I would say not necessarily comfort food. It's it's a little bit higher than that. It's a little bit more raised in, in the sense that it's well, enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, that's what, what, what we try to do is, I mean, our, our mandate with the food is to make it familiar and comforting, you know, even at our, at our most creative. But we want to put more thought and effort into it than what you would make at home. And how long has the Saint been open for now? Uh, two and a half years now. Wow. Did you ever think it would last this long? Uh, well, I've only been there for a year and a half, so I'm, yeah, I've definitely thought I would still be there in a year and a half. But Yeah, um, yeah there was a... For from what I know, there was a big battle getting it open. They were they had had the lease for three years before it even opened. So, wow! Yeah, it was a bit. It wasn't hard enough time. to open up a restaurant. Yeah, in the city. seriously. Now, do you think that Toronto's has too many restaurants per capita? I mean, it is yes. known as the 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 restaurant capital of Canada. Yes. I mean, I, I think right now there are too many restaurants, uh, and you see that in that restaurants aren't as busy as they they used to be. I mean, obviously some the of the good ones are. Yes, um, but there's a lot opening up in the mid-range and a lot of people who probably shouldn't be opening restaurants are opening restaurants. And I mean, as, as a result, I, you know, you might say, okay, well, it's not a big deal. They're not going to be very good. They're going to close, but people are still going to go to them once. Right. And that's one time they're going there where they're not going to your restaurant. And that's an unfortunate part about Toronto dining is that there's so many restaurants that I will go to once and that's it. Mm-hmm. And some of them I'm shocked they last as long as they do because there's only so much of an opportunity for everybody in the city to go to your restaurant once. Yeah, for sure. And because of how concentrated the amount of restaurants are, there's so many good restaurants, but there's equally so many not so good restaurants. Most definitely. And it's hard to decipher, especially when you have a lot of people who come in from out of town, who don't have a lot of experience with the city, don't kind of just going by the by their nose and looking at menus and seeing how busy places are. And a lot of these people are misguided because they might see a, a decent menu and they might see a half full restaurant. But f- from what they know, that's the only indicators of them on a good quote-unquote restaurant. And again, it's it's that kind of draw that I think a lot of Toronto 
you know, residents deal with because they might not be tourists, but they're kind of, every time they go into a new part of the city, there's a new restaurant, there's something new to draw their attention to and which draws them away from the restaurants that have been working harder mm -hmm. for longer. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you do to stand out for being at a restaurant for a year and a half that's been around for two and a half years on a strip of, of Toronto that is very concentrated with a lot of restaurants and bars and such? I mean, what we're looking for is just, I mean, all you can really do is put out the, the best product you can and try to make sure that every single guest leaves happy. Uh, and then hope that if you do that, people are going to come back. Because no restaurant survives on people going once. And I don't think any restaurant that has to put on a Groupon or some sort of pull or a prefix even. Sometimes I find that that's just like a... A cheap ploy to get people to come eat at their place for an inexpensive style meal when really none of the ingredients should even be costing that much to begin with. And the quality of restaurant is usually a lot well, less than it, what it's worth. It, it all depends. I mean, I agree with you. Some places do it. But I mean, we, we do we do a, a pre-theater menu. Oh, cool. Um, but just, I mean, it's something that we do in conjunction with with the, the Lower Osington Theater that we do a, a three-course meal for $29. Okay. Um we, I mean, also there are good places in the city who do prefix. I don't know uh, Bene, who's right beside the Opera House, does does it does a pre-opera menu. Okay, and uh, I mean David Lee is one of the most talented chefs in the country. Sure. Um, but as far as uh, Groupon and things like that, or yeah, Winterlicious, or, Summerlicious, uh, Winterlicious has sort of become a, a necessary evil. We we don't do it at the Saint. Uh, we we may in the future. But it's uh, a lot of places need to do it, and if you do it right, you can make a lot of money. Right. The only thing about it is you you can't have any illusions about it. You can't be thinking I'm going to do this and get repeat business out of it, um, because you you will be rammed full of people who are there for a cheap meal, which again, in in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with that. They're there for a cheap meal. They're going to come once and they're going to leave. And next, when delicious, they're going to go to some other place. So that's just it. Doesn't that just feed into the one-time restaurant experience that we that most people have in the city? Yeah, definitely. But at the same time, if you step back and look at the situation and say, how do I win? If you can't beat them, join them. Then that's it, it's what you have to do. And I mean, I, I did Winterlicious and Summerlicious every year uh, when I was at Beer Bistro and when I was at, at, at Trevor Kitchen and Bar. And, you know, we would just sit back and make sure that we came in at proper costs and also that we were offering something good and something – we would try to do something more than what other restaurants were doing uh, and really get people in and try to give them as close to the experience as they could get normally. But obviously, it's it's never going to be the same. It's, uh, it's, it's a good promotion. I like to joke and say it's a great charity for Amex. <laughs> uh, so long as you understand what it is and understand how you can make money off of it, you can do well with it. If you think it's going to get you more more business and repeat business, I'd say, I'd say less than 5% of those people are coming back. Well, there's like uh, – it's interesting. There's there's this interesting pull for the fancier restaurants, if we're going to call them that, that do Winterlicious. You know, I mean, when I was a starving student and I was seeing stuff like Canoe for, you know, a 35, 45 prefix – that would draw me to be able to try one of the quote unquote best restaurants in the city for a price that I could afford. Well, I, I watched you speaking of canoe. One of the best quotes about delicious I ever heard uh, was, I think it was on Eagle years and years ago when Eagle was actually a thing. Uh, somebody said, you're not eating at canoe. You're eating in canoe. Okay. And that, that basically sums it up for, for a lot of restaurants during delicious. I mean, I'm not saying that you're going to go into canoe and have a bad meal. 
because I don't think you're ever going to go in the canoe and, and have a bad meal. The, the, you know, the OB guys are pros. They, they've got the they've, they they have it down to a science. They, they really they, do. They're, they're doing very. I've never had a bad meal in an OB restaurant. I I, I would um, I, I would second that. I mean, Biff's is probably my my favorite. I was going to say Biff's is my uh, favorite as well. And fa- favorite pre leaf game place. Well, Buck a Shuck. Yeah. Well. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we we do Buck a Shuck at 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 the same as well. Uh, not five days a week. We we do it Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. It's a great thing for for getting people in. I gotta I gotta uh, say one thing though. You need two shuckers. We we have. Uh, you need to upgrade. I need I need shucks faster than right. than you guys can push them out. All right, all right. Well, I'll uh, I'll. And they're hard to find good yes, shuckers yes. in the city. Yes. That's the hard part. It, it it is the hard part, and especially at at the Saint, our oysters come off the bar. Yeah, and even like we have three people on the bar on 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 those nights. Right, and sometimes it's too much. You guys are packed. I mean, yeah. no no question about it. You guys are are, are busy, so that yeah. doesn't help either. But I mean, those bucket shuck oysters. If I, it, it's just that is such a great pull in this city because we aren't known for seafood. Mm-hmm. Seafood. Oh, we're 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 on the lake, but we're not on uh, on the lake. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's just it. I mean, we're not a coastal city. Uh, we're very into our beef, into our pork. Definitely. I think pork is definitely making a rise in, yep. in Canada. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier too. I'm I'm definitely the other white meat kind of guy. Yeah, me as well. Um, and again, we have so many great butcher shops in the city to go get your own cut bacon. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is something that not enough people are doing for the same price that you can go buy a pack of maple leaf yeah, bacon at, at the grocery store. At the grocery store, go check out your local butcher and ask them to pre and you could cut it to any thickness you want it. I always go, I get some cooked an, an inch, some cut at an inch, some cut at half an inch, cut you know, at a quarter, like like keep it keep it you know, like I, I personally like doing um like you do in the restaurant, you know, one big slab of bacon in the pot, rendering that fat and then cooking other things with that fat. Yeah, that's sure. that's the key. Yeah. You know, the people don't realize that uh, you're going to the supermarket putting these, you know, thin pieces of bacon, losing pretty much all their essence in the pan, in the the parchment paper, wherever you however you're cooking it. And there's so much more to be done with that. Salad dressings and dips. Oh yeah, and you shouldn't you should never throw a bacon fat. No. No. Do you jar it? Do you keep it at home in a jar? Uh, yeah, I don't cook a lot of bacon at home, but um, at the restaurant, we definitely save a lot of bacon fat and use that for, for cooking other things. Sure. And what desserts are you guys working on right now? Uh, right now, we have uh, sort of our signature dessert is is a warm chocolate mousse. All right. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a great dessert. I mean, I like to think I'm, – I'm not a pastry chef by any means. Sure. And I don't claim to be. I'm actually – pastry is sort of my, my, my weak point. Um, but I think this, like most chefs, yeah, well, like like mo- like a lot of savory chefs, right? Um, we I just never really had the chance to do a lot of training on pastry, so it's yeah, it's definitely my weak point. But um, to me, it's it's a great dish. It's sort of got everything you want in a chocolate dessert. It's got hot and cold and smooth and crunchy and chewy. Um, I'm not going to name off everything that's in the dish, but <laughs> you, you should definitely come and try it sometime. Cause you ever put bacon fat in the? the no, mix? no. I find when you put. Cho- uh, bacon in the chocolate dessert tastes like dog food. Okay. Uh, I think I, I like to say I have too much respect for bacon to put it in, in, into dessert. So no sweet bacon dishes. No, no sweet bacon dishes. And with stuff like Sausage League, are you finding that a lot of these guys are trying to achieve too much as far as flavor profiles go uh, no, and that's what's hindering them? No, I, I don't think so. Um, I think you know the only thing that hinders people is when you don't make a great sausage. <laughs> okay. Um, that's, it's that simple. I, I think so, sure. Uh, and you, you definitely have to have a, a a good dish as well. You need to actually bring a whole composed sausage dish. 
Um, so you know your sausage needs to be good, and 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 your your dish needs to be good. Do you have help from the saint to come help you out with no, those kind of no, events? You're, you're a one man you're, operation. You're one, one man operation. How though. many uh, p- people in your kitchen in the saint? Uh, there's me. Uh, when we're busy, there's me and four cooks working in the saint. Okay, and two dishwashers. Are you shouting out orders all day long? Is that your style? Mm. Are you in the kitchen behind the lines too? Uh, all, all depending on, on what day. Yeah, a, a lot of days I'm, I'm behind the line working the grill. Uh, on the weekends, I'll be on the other side of the pass calling out orders. And what uh, qualifications of a chef do they have to work for you? <laughs> at, at this point, uh, it's you know, are, are are they going to show up? Right, it's tough again with this, as many restaurants yeah. as there I are mean, in I'm, the city. I'm kind of half joking there, but at, at, at the same time, I I think you know right now, like if if needing kitchen staff was was a disease, Toronto would be on the do not travel list. So because it, we're for all of yeah, continue. Sorry to interrupt. We're like. I know like all of my friends who are chefs are looking for staff. Everyone's always asking everybody, do you know any cooks? For all our friends south of the border, come to Toronto yeah. and get your cook on. Right, so south of the border, you live in Ottawa, you live in Peterborough, you live anywhere outside of Toronto and you've thought about moving to Toronto, do it. Is there an you, email address they can email you their uh, resume? Jesse at the St. Tavern.com. There you go. J- J-E-S-S-E at the St. Tavern.com. So, because you're not a pastry aficionado at the restaurant, you guys finding you're doing a lot more savory style desserts. Not necessarily savory style, but they're prepared more like not pastry. They're prepared more no, like I uh, mean, like, I like I, I the have line. a no, no, definitely not. I mean, I I have a a baker who comes in in the morning and and sorts all that stuff out, and then it's plated off of our our garmanger section. So our our dessert section is small, but we do. Uh, we we have a, a daily pie. Uh, right now we're doing a, a lemon posset with some fruit preserve and 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 shortbread and chantilly cream. We've got the chocolate mousse. We we do sorbet uh, and then we have a, a artisanal cheese plate. Do you make sorbet in house? Yep. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. What kind of flavors lately? Uh oh, just what's what's in seasonal season? seasonal yeah. fruits? Strawberry, raspberry, pretty recent. Wow! How do you make a good sorbet? Uh, it's a just ratio of fruit to to simple syrup, and making sure that you've got good acid balance for me is 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 really important. So it's not cloying. And what's staff meal like at the Saint? That's uh, whatever we've got hanging around. Generally, yeah. um, staff meals after brunch are usually pretty good because we have you know we've got poached eggs and we've got you know Bernays sauce. All got, your favorite and, things, and, and, and we've got croque monsieurs and all that. You know sure. that, that haven't got sold and donuts and all that kind of stuff. It's Staff meal is always a, a bit of a scramble. For a first-timer coming to this restaurant, what meal would you recommend them try first? I mean, if you're coming there for the first time, ha- have the burger. All right. Yeah. Wow. What's so special about your burger? Um, it's just a really good burger. We're, we're you know, going back to saying where we're, we're just trying to put a bit more effort and creativity into everything that we're doing. Um, you know, we're making a really great soft white sesame burger bun. Do you make that in-house? Oh, yeah. Your baker makes that? Yep. Amazing. We make that. We, we do uh, – a uh, bone marrow aioli that really punches up the, the uh, beef flavor. Our uh, our patty is uh, you know we, we grind out of uh, chuck short rib and brisket, so it's got a great combination of a uh, flavor. Um, we we make our own processed cheese uh, using milk, milk powder, cheese, gelatin, cream of tartar, and salt. We're basically just gelatinizing a cheese sauce, but it gives it. That flavor of old cheddar, but the texture of a processed cheese slice. That's similar. That was in your sausage. Yeah, uh, in 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 the breakfast sandwich. Yeah, okay. exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah, and and the, and, the, and the sausage. Right. And uh, you know we, we make a really great uh, dill pickle relish, and I yeah it's I it's my favorite burger in the city. I'm sold personally. I'm coming soon. Yep. 
I, I definitely have to do a follow-up. I do a follow-up with all the chefs that come in and I, and I come and eat at their restaurant and I've been to the Saint before, really enjoyed uh, the fried chicken. Um, I mean, what's great about your restaurant is it's casual with a little bit of an upscale feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can sit at the bar, you can enjoy the game, you can have any kind of, there's a lot of really good cocktail no, d- lists. Yeah, definitely. I mean, w- what we want to be that place where people can come more than once a week for different reasons. You know, you could come on Sunday when we're doing Buck Shuck and have a dozen oysters and a glass of Sancerre and then head out. You could come back two days later and sit down with, with your buddy and have a burger and a beer. You could come back on Friday night and sit down with, with uh, a few people and order the $125 mixed grill and, you know, a bunch of sides and told to go to town. Totally. Um, or, you know, you come in and have three, four courses or do that. I mean, we, we want to be that place, not necessarily to be everything to everybody because I think that's how you fail. Right. But – do what you do really well. Do you really well and just have the option of people using your restaurant for, for different reasons. I mean, f- yeah. we, we, we have a big space on Ossington, so. Yeah, you do. It just keeps going. Yep. So, I mean, we, we I think we need to be available for people for all those reasons. What's your favorite kind of diner? I'm not really sure. Well, then what's I, the, on the opposite, compare that your favorite diners to people that you don't necessarily know how to, re- people that don't know how to respect what's being put in front of them. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm not sure if I've been to a diner that I don't like, personally. No, no, uh, a, a diner. A, oh, a diner. A, a I'm diner. sorry. Yes, yeah, I understand. Okay. Um, my favorite kind of diner is someone who comes in and is just going to, to you know, experience what we're doing. Not necessarily say, hey, cook for me. But, you know, they want to experience what, what we're doing. Um, my, my least favorite kind of diner is someone who, who comes in who, you know – thinks that we're trying to screw them out of their money from the, the, the second that they come in and thinks that, you know, $19 for a burger is too expensive or, you know, that... Did uh, you hear that ingredients list? Yes. How much stuff was just made from scratch yeah, there? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, people in, in Toronto, um, uh, maybe it's not... Obviously, it's not just Toronto, but maybe people in Canada to a certain point, a lot of them don't understand uh, the, the concept of labor going in, into food in a restaurant. Um as opposed to if you go over to Europe and you were to go to, uh, you know, if to say a two, three Michelin star restaurant where you're going to go have dinner and you pay the equivalent of three, four hundred dollars Canadian, people would say, you know, I've had people tell me when I've done that, oh, are you crazy paying that much for just dinner? But you understand like how much, you know, they probably got 25 staff making every, you know, meticulously making every single thing, all the, 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 the service staff and, and everything that, that goes into making that meal an experience, you're paying for all that. You're not – you know, people in Toronto are looking at it, you're, I'm just paying for this food on the plate and that's it. Do you think there will ever be a, a restaurant in Toronto that will have Michelin star status? Uh, well, Michelin doesn't rate in Toronto or Canada at all. So until they do, <laughs> definitely not. But um, – I, I mean just in general. I, like- I mean I would say now if, if Michelin were to come to Toronto and I – you know, I'm not a Michelin inspector and I don't know any, but – I would say places like Scaramouche would probably get a star, uh, Nota Bene, Splendido, uh, Canoe, uh, Buca, places like those. They, 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 they would definitely, I again, and I'm not an inspector. I don't know how they rate from one to two and all that. I know it's definitely, uh, the, the quality of the food and ingredients and cooking is always at a very high level. Um, I think that in Toronto right now, we, we do have some that, I don't think we have any that are at the uh, three star level. Um, from the three star experiences that I've had, but we definitely have some that would get one or two. And do you think that there are restaurants that have been here for so long that they kind of get overlooked with their quality? Do you think that people? One, one restaurant that I think is overlooked a lot is Laiwahin. 
Okay. At, at the, well, I guess what used to be the, the Metropolitan Hotel. I'm not sure what the hotel is called now. Okay. Um, amazing, amazing Chinese food. Right. Be- best Peking duck you'll ever have. All right. Um, but no one really talks about it in the, in the sort of food circles. Do you think it's because of its, the cultural? Do you think it's because, or because it's because it's in an old hotel? Uh, I think probably both. I mean, cultural and also, I mean, people a lot of time don't see that paying the same amount of money you would pay for, say, a meal at a steakhouse for Chinese food is like that you should do that when you can go and pay, say, 25 bucks at Swatow. Which is my favorite Szechuan. Well, I wouldn't call it Szechuan. I would say it's it's kind of very... Yeah, it's, it's varied. Yeah, at, at, at Swatow. And I, don't get me wrong, I love Swatow. Oh, I love Swatow. Great. I mean, I, I like New Sky better, personally. Uh, up, up up the road from Swatow. What would you call Swatow? What kind of restaurant is it? I mean, I want to call it Szechuan, but it's not spicy enough to yeah, be Szechuan. I, I would just call it Chinese. Yeah, sorry, mixed Chinese. I'm, mixed not, Chinese. I'm, not, I'm not really sure what, what, what I would call it. That um, place is – that. talk about an institution that's widely oh, not – like it, it, it's not – It's definitely known amongst the, 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 right the, the food community. That's right. Yeah. You'll even go – because you'll go to Markham. And where the, the Chinese food community is humongous, mm-hmm. and they'll tell you their favorite restaurant every time they come downtown to Swatow. Oh, yeah? Cool. Okay, I know. Isn't that super cool? Yeah, it's cool. I've talked to some culinary people, like, from the like, CIA equivalents that are up in Markham. Nice. And when I talk to them, most of them are Chinese. And, I, and I'll and ask them, what's your favorite, you know, mixed Chinese or Chinese or Szechuan restaurant? And most, nine out of ten times, it's always Swatow. I'm a big believer that it's our multiculturalness in Toronto that gives us so much more opportunity for food mm-hmm. and experiences. Like you said, there's white people food, which is which is the same is kind of known for. But I mean, you get little India, you get a little Portugal, little Greek town, little Jamaica, and all these different food opportunities that are very, like, I mean, we're very, very lucky in Toronto. Yes, it also adds to the numerous amount of restaurants that we have. But again, there's always the best that are the best in every one of those sections. Uh, do you have a preference? Do you like Indian food, Chinese? You'll eat anything, I, I know. Yeah, but. I'll, I'll eat anything. I mean, Chinese is probably my my favorite as far as if you want to call it ethnic ghosts. Um, but I mean, my my father was 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 British, and uh, you know, I grew up eating Indian food. All right, so, curries. Yeah, great. So I mean, I, I love Indian and West Indian, and yeah, I mean, I I, I like it all if, if it's prepared well. You know, I, I like it all for sure. So it's been let's let's play a scenario here. You had a great night at the Saint. Mm-hmm. It's two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. People are clearing out. Bars are closing. You guys don't really have much to nosh on in the house. Where are you going as a team? I mean, probably Chinatown. It's, right? It's, it's, it's the closest thing that's that, that, that that's open where you can get anything decent, right? So. Absolutely. Uh, do you think that Toronto needs to be a 24-hour city? I don't know if it needs to. I'd say it'd probably be nice if it was. Right? Do you would Saint be open? Do you think not twenty four hours, but do you, do you think you'd be open till the wee hours of the night, or you know, I like mean, you have the you have we, the setup. That's just we like we, we definitely have the setup right now. I don't think there's enough people in the neighborhood all week long. I mean, we are open late. Uh, kitchen open open till till one a.m. on Friday and Saturday. Wow. Uh, and we definitely get people in. It's it's not the full menu, but you can still come in and you can get you know you can get. Uh, Burger and pierogies and and all all of our snacks on our bar menu are available. So, do you think that you would like to open something else while you do the Saint, or do you think that you see yourself doing pop ups and you think taking the Saint in other kind of directions? Um, I mean, I'm definitely open with with, with within the uh, company to doing something else. I mean, right now, I mean, again, I've been at the Saint for a year and a half, which is, I guess, in some people's eyes, a long time. It is for a long chef. time. It is a long time. At the same time, it's not that long. Okay. Uh, so, I mean. Right now, I want to focus on making the Saint 
the best it can be. And, you know, if from there we split off and do something else, yeah, that, that would be great. I, I would love to, uh, to do a pop-up of the saint, like a smaller place where we just do burgers and sausages. Right. Um, which it seems to be the trend in, tr- in cities like Toronto, where yeah. you get a popular restaurant, and then the other side of the town, you'll open up something smaller that focuses on the, the faster th- foods. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, one, one idea I've had in my head for a while that I don't, I don't know if anyone's doing, but I want to do like white boy dim sum. All right. Where uh, you, know, you have a room where people come around with carts, but instead of, you know, harga shuma, you've got grilled cheese and and fries and, and, and burgers. But like still uh, in the push carts? Yeah. Throw some attractive ladies on a bunch of push carts that are pushing around grilled cheese and sliders. I think you got yeah, something there. For sure. And I think that's something that could be open late. Right. Um, and whether you had push carts all the time or whether it was more like Roll Song where you had like a, a menu where you just tick off. Sure. But I think a combination of both. I need the push carts. Yeah. You got to give me the push carts. Yeah. You know, as far as for, for proper dim sum, I know I, I don't like it if, if there's if there's no push carts. Right. That's why I'm – I mean – Roll some that the food is good. I don't like going there for dim sum because there is no no push cards. Well, also the dim sum I believe at Roll San is frozen. Is it really? Eh? I think so because I go to Forest View. Okay, which is on the Sunday you have like a hundred and ten year old Chinese ladies <laughs> pushing the carts around, but that's the experience I want. Yeah, see, I, I go to uh, Pearl Court on on Gerard. Okay, uh, but just just because I'm I'm an East Ender, so I need yes. Well, our studio's in the West End, and and yes, I'm a little bit of a West End stop. But I need like a ninety plus year old Chinese woman <laughs> like convincing me that I need to that, eat that the you last need that, dish. That, that, that tripe, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean, though. Like it, it's part of the salesman or saleswomanship. So, well, it's, it's, of it. it's part of the experience. That's true too, and I, and I think Toronto has really become this interactive eating experience, which is good and which is bad. It, it's good in the sense that I want to go eat with my hands. I want to go experience a menu ordering. I want stuff to come in courses. I want to eat as a group. Like when you go to Mamafuku and you order like that big pork dish where, you know, 40 of your friends, if you have them, can go and all eat. You know, like those are interactive eating experiences. Do you see the saint do anything? I mean, your mixed grill is kind of We always have three big sharing dishes on the menu at once. We do – we have have the the big mixed grill for four people. We do a roast chicken for two with our Saint Chalet sauce. Okay. Um, which is I mean, awesome. we're, we're getting pretty close to having it bang on because okay. I mean, again, I'm a Scarborough white boy, so right. Swiss chalet sauce is, is is mother's milk for me. It is. No, uh, I mean, you're, you're again preaching to the choir. Bacon and Swiss chalet shooters. Yeah, yes. This is what we need to do yeah, to actually, keep that, going. That, that's a pretty good idea. Thank you. Um, I'll, I'll come and we'll work that out together <laughs> yeah, in the kitchen. Most definitely. And then we do a, a, a rotating sharing dish. Like I mentioned earlier, we're doing that, that giant pork chop right now. Okay. The, um, the, yeah, the two-piece uh, – sorry, the, the pork chop for two with the belly on yeah, it. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I feel that, that when I go and get a pork chop at a lot of restaurants now, they're dry or this, there's just not enough fat on it. This one's it. definitely not dry and there's definitely not enough fat. What sauce do you um, put on it? Uh, we serve – we do a few sauces on the side. We do a hot sauce, some rosemary applesauce, and some sweet mustard. And what's the sides? Uh, there's some mac and cheese and and uh, cheddar biscuits. Your mac and cheese is good. Yeah, it's, just, it's pretty mac good. And cheese. Yeah. What's what's a good perfection of mac and cheese? Um, I mean, our mac and cheese is just you know our dry your regular dry elbow noodles, and we make a, a reduced cream sauce that we flavor with some white wine, herbs, uh, garlic, shallot, uh, peppercorn, and strain it, uh, and then we just we warm that up and put in just good aged white cheddar to order. And what makes a good cooking wine? Um, balance, in general. Just because you were talking before about acidity, and yeah, you know, you're, yeah, you're, you don't want anything too high in acid, or that, or that 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 doesn't have any sweetness. 
Um, I mean, you 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 want balance in, in everything you're doing, right? So, any favorite interactive eating that you can recall in the world in Toronto? I think one of my, my favorite interactive eating experiences is uh, is having a Peking duck, right? In in any wherever Chinese restaurant it is, uh, you know, if they come out and carve that duck, and you know, you're having the your 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 pancakes first, and they they take it back in the kitchen, and they bring it back out, chopped up for you with the in in, in lettuce cups or however they're doing it. That's sort of my my favorite interactive dining. For me personally, I'm a big southern barbecue kind of guy. So if if a whole table can enjoy racks of ribs together, it's that whole everyone's elbows are on the tables, faces are messy, fingers mm-hmm. are are deep in, elbows deep. Uh, it's, it's what it's all about, right? I mean, get, getting together and sharing food. Right. I mean, that's that's what. Yeah, that's what we want to do. It's you know, it's making people happy. I I, I could see a good um, sharing meal at uh, the Saint would be the mixed grill with that pork chop on the side and the chicken for about ten people. Uh, yeah, maybe eight people. Yeah, eight people for sure. Eight people for sure. Yeah. And then head over to the Laura Osington Theater for a show. Yeah, definitely. Osington's a great strip. Do you find that the nightlife there really adds to the Saints' appeal? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely on the weekends for 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 late night. Yeah. Do you I mean, find that you get a lot of people just coming off the street because you have that big white sign, yeah, yeah. I mean, big a, white front? A, a lot of our business is walk-ins. Right. Uh, I mean, we, we could have 50 people in the book and then do 150, you know, just because there's, there's, there's people on the street. So, Since you've been there, any celebrities walk in that, that you noticed? Uh, Adam Sandler was there the other day. All right. Um, what did Adam Sandler eat? He, he was there for brunch. He had, uh, he had some eggs and some beef salami. <laughs> nice Jewish boy for the yeah, Chicago 58. Yeah, yeah. So do you find that when a celebrity has come to the Saint, that's because maybe he was a walk-in or maybe somebody in the, in the right um, of I, the know told him? I, and did they tell you before that he was coming? No, they, they didn't. And I'm really not sure. And I don't, I'm not really concerned with that. I mean – Spoken like a true chef chef. Yeah, I mean feeding celebrities isn't – doesn't really, uh, but it helps with promotion. No, it, it, it does, but I, it, it doesn't get me excited. Sure, it's it's great for promotion. It was kind of funny to see Adam Sandler in, in the right. restaurant, um, but I, I I don't think I've ever really been been starstruck. Have, but, you've I, never I, had to cook for somebody that kind of took you off your heels a bit. Nope, I, wow. I don't I don't think so. As far, not not as far as a like you know movie celebrity or anything sure, but like maybe that. even like a critique or a critic rather. I, I, I'd rather cook for any celebrity than than cook for another chef. Okay. As, as far as that goes, it's, it's 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 all you know. Even if if they're your friends, it's always that little bit of stress cooking for 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 another chef. Absolutely. Uh, before we go, we've just you know crossed the the hour mark. It's been really fun chatting with you. You're very to the book, but like very clean cut. Like I like I like how <laughs> how how strict you are about about everything. It's a real passion that you clearly have about your dining. If you were just to leave you off with one last question, if you were to just put together the ultimate dish for say a chef for a celebrity for anybody walking off the street what would really show jesse valens in one dish um my my signature dish is uh is the, the reuben sandwich sausage the one i told you about that I, I did for sausage league it's on the menu at the saint uh reuben is my middle name okay and i've always kind of been a little bit obsessed with reuben sandwiches so i've sort of done them in, in different ways but i mean i've been doing this dish for for years now and it's sort of 
um, it sort of encompasses my style of cooking. On that note, we're going to thank Jesse for coming out. Um, this is, the, again, you've mentioned the word a bunch of times, but this is Speaking Duck, one of your favorite dishes, of yep. course, being the Peking Duck. This is a, a, an homage to that. And I, I want to thank you very much for coming to the Never Sleeps Network studios. Thank you for and having And throwing me. down with us. And guys, check out The Saint on the Ossington Strip. It's 227 Ossington Avenue. You can place a reservation or walk in, 647-350-2100. Any last words, Jesse? Uh, no, hope to see you guys at the Saint. Yeah, we hope to see you at the Saint. Thank you very much. It's Alex Ross from Peking Duck. We'll see you soon. Never Sleeps Network. This has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com. Never Sleeps Network.